Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to What I Did Next from a Media. I'm Malak Fuad. On the show, we delve into people's life journeys from the point of view of twists and turns, shifts and pivots. We've all had them. Some are more visible than others and make us stop in our tracks and make a course correction. Others only come into focus with hindsight, when we look in the rearview mirror and realize that a particular moment was pivotal in our lives. This is what forms the foundation of What I Did Next. Today I'm joined by Egyptian-American comedian and actor Rami Youssef. Starting out as a stand-up comic, Rami is a star of the eponymous hit show Rami, which has won Golden Globes and Peabody's, as well as Emmy nominations. Rami the Show is part comedy, part drama and part spiritual quest, raising questions and making you keel over laughing at the same time. I binged watched all three seasons of Rami and I'm so happy that we're finally seeing a show that portrays the Arab immigrant experience as more than a two-dimensional cliché. As writer, actor, director and producer of the show, Rami has brought together some of the best Arab actors around, with the incredible ensemble cast of Amr Weked, Hiam Habbas and Rami's own mentor, Leith Nekli, as well as introducing new talent. Rami Youssef brings nuance and subtlety to what are on the surface extremely difficult issues to broach on US TV, and he does so with the one tool that always breaks down prejudices, humor. Whether you're watching in New Jersey or Alexandria, the show strikes a chord and will make you think. As always, we're kicking off our conversation with one of our icebreakers. If Rami could have anyone around his dinner table, who would he have? I, I think I sometimes feel this anxiety if I were to meet somebody really important, you know? And and it's really hard to get to know someone in a, in a short amount of time. So every time I think about a dinner party and gathering a bunch of people, I'm like, who would it actually be fun to hang out with? Uh, and I feel like it would probably be just like a bunch of NBA players. Just because <laughs> like, there's a part of me that's like, oh man, these filmmakers I really love, or or there's another part of me that's like, if it's dead or alive, then I'm like, obviously you want to be like, yeah, I'll have dinner with the prophet Muhammad. I mean, how could I not, of course. you know, uh, that feels like, a, and then I would be just him. Like, I'm not, I don't need other people at that table. You, know? you don't need like, anyone that's else. Just, just me and him. I'm just, we're just talking, you know? Um, and then if it goes to alive, I'm like, yeah, it's probably like, LeBron James and Shaq and Ernie and like the guys who do all the uh, the NBA commentary because I feel like I could get what I need from the relationship in one dinner. Like it feels like it would be the most efficient dinner. Yeah, where I'd be like, because LeBron and I we're not gonna we're not gonna have that much more to talk about other than one dinner. You know, like I think I think it's gonna I think it's gonna, you'll be done. It, it'll be the best like one dinner. Uh, you know, we'll I'll, I'll get everything that I need. 
uh, and yeah, and then there's just like a lot of the physical aspect. So it's like a one night stand, basically. hundred percent, hundred percent, one night stand. You know, because I this this that's hilarious. This dinner won't grow much more than that. And what about comedians? Would you have any comedians around the table? We're all always hanging around a table, yelling at each other. So no, no. <laughs> Who are they? Who are your buddies from that world? I mean, it, it, what's great about stand-up is it's almost like anyone that you see, like everyone's done a show with everybody, you know? So we all really get to hang out. I mean, but in terms of like my close friends, I, I, I tend to work with a lot of them, you know, in the work that we do, you know, even like on on Rami, there's a lot of stand-ups, you know? So we've all toured together, like, and, and are really close, like yeah. me and Steve Way and Dave Merhej and Mo Ahmed. And, and, and obviously, you know, Mo and I made his show together as well. And so yeah. really like it becomes one of those, you know, who you're working with, you end up hanging out with. Yeah. Sounds cool. I'd love to be a fly on the wall for that, for that dinner. It sounds really cool. Uh, which one, the NBA one or the comedian one? I, I would do them all in one dinner. I would have <laughs> everyone there. I mean, that's the whole point. Yeah. Let's go back a bit into Rami's roots, growing up in New Jersey. His grandfather moved to the U.S. and worked at the United Nations. Yeah, so um, my mother's father, um, for most of my life, probably up until um, like, I would say 10 years ago, he was still doing work for the United Nations where he was interpreting between um, English and Arabic and French. Right. And so the love of language that he had. And, you know, he grew up in, you know, outskirts uh, uh, in, in, in Egypt. I mean, he wasn't in Cairo proper. Um, and, you know, of his whole town, it was him and one other kid that even knew how to read and go to college. And I think he was so uh, grateful for that and had such a deep love of language yeah. that, you know, language really just became his his main passion, and it took him around the world. And so he that's amazing. He lived, um, you know, he lived in France for a while, uh, where my mom has a lot of her formative years of her life there, uh, because he was uh, a professor there. And then, um, and then, yeah, he was you know doing these huge kind of pretty meaningful uh, junctures at the United Nations where he'd be you know, offering real-time translation. So it's kind of a cool, intense, uh, live language. Very intense job, job, yeah. You know, yeah. Tell me a little bit about your your early years. I'm trying very much not to think of you in terms of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, do you know what I mean? Sure. I'm trying to like separate that in my head, you know? Yeah, well, the um, my father came to the States on his own. Um, and so him and my mom met in New York, but they, you know, my dad grew up in Maniel and my mom grew up in Shobra. So that's not that far, you know, in, in, in terms of Egypt. But they met in New York. That's interesting. Met yeah. In New York. Yeah. Which I always thought was really indicative of the energy in my family, which was, you know, yeah, we, we want to go somewhere new and, you know, recreate, <laughs> what we had there yeah, exactly <laughs> what we have in Shobra <laughs> yeah so it's like how all right we're in a whole new place and now let's make it feel like Shobra <laughs> and, I, and I consider it like a beautiful thing you know I think um you know in the show we'll look at it with the lens of the stresses of it or the fractures that that kind of thing can create because I think 
it makes it really funny. And I think those things in, in, in many cases, a lot of those feelings can be real, but I think what is also really beautiful. Yeah. Is this need to and want to expand, but also, uh, hold on to what you care about and hold on to what you love. And I think, you know, everything being homogenous isn't really that interesting. You know, I think you can feel it when you travel and you're like, yeah, everything yeah. is, is, uh, I, I was gonna say everything's a Starbucks, but now I don't know if you've seen this lately. It's like, everything is a Joe and the juice. Yeah. I, I've seen Joe and the juice everywhere, everywhere to the point where I'm starting to think it's like some sort of government spying conspiracy because it just came out of nowhere. Like all of it. And it's not that good like it's not that good it's, exactly. really, it's <laughs> True. really not good like like it, it's not bad but it's not good but it's everywhere um so i'm definitely for us holding on to you know uh things that, yeah. that make us different um yeah so we grew up in in jersey uh, my grandparents were in queens um you know my grandfather was commuting to the united nations from from there and and um my father worked in the hotel business and and um you know, my mother was with us. And so we, we had a, a nice, I think, sense of closeness to family, but we were also, mm. you know, in the town we were in. Um, yeah, my parents really, you know, stretched to, to, to put us where we were um, and, and, and put a lot, you know, to put us where we were. Sure. We were, we were in a nice, you know, a, a, a nicer neighborhood than I was really related to like Chappelle, the Chappelle's joke. Chappelle had this joke about like being, uh, like the poorest person in a rich neighborhood or something, or in like a, you know, like, like really, you know, yeah. stretching it out. And and I think that a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of people and families in the situations we were in always felt that stretch, you know, you're just kind yeah. of stretching yourself. What were your main influences as you were growing up? Were you influenced mainly by family members or were you influenced by peers or was it a combination or was was there some confusion there because obviously your character on the show is extremely confused about which direction to go in but did you feel that or were you more sure of how to compartmentalize a little bit more I definitely felt the confusion I mean I think that um I there were two things that were happening I think one was I definitely had a lot of artistic influence um, that came from, I would say in my family, mainly my uncle. So my uncle in Cairo had uh, performed in a lot of plays and was also uh, a French professor as well, um, like my grandfather. Um, but also like when he came to the States, um, became an audio engineer and was very into music. And so he was putting me onto music, but also onto comedy. And so I remember uh, very distinctly, you know, exposure to Pink Floyd and exposure to George Carlin. And, and, <laughs> and I think, you know, I spent a lot of my, my youth playing guitar. Um, and, and, you know, I was definitely really musically inclined, but I, I remember this, this divide of like Pink Floyd and George Carlin and being like, but I really like the Carlin, you know, like, I like, <laughs> man, the, the rants and the, the, um, you know, Carlin, I've, you know, I found like a lot of Arabs who really loved him because he had this, you know, curmudgeon but honest and sarcastic and, cutting way of talking about the world especially the news and i think 
we're really comfortable with talking about politics and yeah. politics really dominate uh, our experience um, often, you know, in really invasive ways, but then, you know, we also bring it to the dinner table. And I think um, that, you know, that was really influential on me, you know, listening to those early Carlin records, but then also um, the way that my uncles and my parents and everyone talked to each other was really funny. I mean, like my family's really funny. And and were your parents were they supportive of you when you decided that comedy was your was your track? Did they support you, or did you have to convince them that this is what you wanted to do? I, I think I think I had to convince myself, you know, I, and 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 them along the way. But I think that we, my parents were always, you know, anything I wanted to do artistically, they were really supportive of it. And then they would say, you know, it's amazing that you have this hobby <laughs> and, and, and this is a great yeah. hobby, but then you're going to have to. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think, I think that was the early thing was be a doctor. Yeah. And then uh, they realized there was no way I had the focus for that. And then they started to think, okay, you know, you could be a lawyer yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I didn't know. I, I, I felt the same though. I felt I couldn't imagine it being a career. I, I wasn't a kid that, that saw it on TV and said, that's going to be me. I didn't mm -hmm. really think that that could be uh, a path, especially because I think I felt the pressure of understanding what it meant for the parts of the family that did come to America, you know, the, the weight of what it was. And yeah. there was this, um, this expectation of, you know, let's make it worth it. Of course. And so the idea that I would go down a path that not even, I didn't know anyone who had gone down it. I didn't know anyone who knew anyone. Sure. You know, like I, I, there was no, it didn't feel connected to anything at all. And so it didn't even feel like a possibility. Um, and I, uh, yeah, so I was doing like, a lot of theater and writing and and I kind of informally started doing comedy in high school you know we had this amazing tv program and I would you know do a lot of I, I was really obsessed with cameras you know since mm -hmm. I was 12 it was it was the first thing I bought with my Eid and Ramadan money I, I bought a camera mm -hmm. uh and then the next year maybe two years after that I bought a guitar and then I would like film myself and film mm -hmm. certain things or whatever. So I was really into making things. And, and then I think yeah. it, it started to turn comedic and started to do all that. And then I started, you know, I think I first performed comedy on stage, like my last year of high school, when I, I would go to New York and, and, and I had friends who had graduated and they started doing it. And so I, it, you know, it was all like, looking back, it's pretty clear that it was the only thing I was doing. But while I was doing it, I kept thinking there was going to be this hard end date in which I would stop doing it. That you were just playing around. Yeah. You know, it'd be like, okay, now time for real life. And I think um, that day just never came, you know, but it mm, took me a really never long happened. time to, to, to understand that. And where at one point or where was the break for you or the, the big break where you was it the first stand-up show or was it when someone came to hear you do stand-up that there was a a particular moment where you said okay this is this is it this is what i'm doing where was that pivotal point for you at that stage of your life i was performing a lot with um my good 
friend and and and, and comedy partner uh, at that time. His name's Jonathan Braylock. We still work together, and um, and I was performing a lot with Steve, who is on our show. Yeah. So we would be doing a lot of comedy together, and we would get you know, especially once we started doing it in New York, we would get people who were saying, "Oh, you know, you could." put together a TV show, you could this, you could that, you know, that started to happen. And it still didn't feel real to me, though. I was like, nah, I don't, that's not going to happen. You know, it just didn't, even yeah. though I was hearing those things. And then I, um, I got an acting job that, that moved me to LA. Uh, and that really, you know, that really opened it up for me. I mean, I, I it was, it was that, you know, that it was this family sitcom it was on nick at night and it was it was just an amazing experience um because i really got to see how a tv show was made but it also moved me across the country you know i went from living with my parents to living by myself in la and doing this show and that was the big moment where i realized like i this is what i'm going to be doing but right before it there was all this stand-up and comedy we were doing that was really um you know, that, that, that started to give me the sense that, okay, I wasn't going to stop doing it, but there was, I, I was in school and I was essentially kind of on a pre-law track. Um, and then I met someone in New York who said, you got to go to acting school. And I said, well, you know, I can't afford acting school. And he said, okay, well, you make all these videos and the school needs videos. Like they need content. If you make content for the school, I'll give you, you know, a scholarship for one class, you know, because it was, it was kind of one of those acting schools where you could take many classes and you're right. like, I'll give you a scholarship for one class, the acting class, yeah. you know, like, and then, you know, you know, I can't cover the other stuff. And, um, and he was managing the school at the time, William Mesper Studio, which is an amazing school. You've spoken about that in other interviews as being a real turning point for you. Yeah. And that, that was, that was Leif Knackley, who was managing the school, who plays my uncle Nassim on the show. And so, um, yeah, we had this like really great friendship that started then. And so that, that's what kickstarted it. And you realized that you had to get into acting and understand acting in order to take this further. The stand-up was one thing, but then taking it to the next level, that was what needed to happen in order for you to, to like become a more like holistic comedian, right? Yeah. To take, I mean, I think to take it seriously and to, um, you know, good acting work is like, is really cool. I think it could benefit anybody even yeah. if they don't want to act because it's very it's very emotional and it's very much how you present yourself yeah. in front of other people and everyone presents themselves in front of other people like in, in some form. So yeah, it's, it's awesome. We'll hear more about Rami's story after this short break. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about our bonus episodes, available exclusively for subscribers. On each bonus episode, I take a deeper dive into my guests' industries, and I share some extra parts from our conversation. For example, you can find out more about the screenwriting process with acclaimed filmmaker Mo Hevzi, or about the luxury design industry with Monez and Ayad Raouf, the sisters behind Ukhtin. All of these great stories are only available on our bonus episodes, so subscribe now to unlock this amazing extra content. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts by clicking the subscribe button or on our website and get instant access to all our bonus episodes with a two-week free trial. And now, back to the show. 
Welcome back. I'm Malak Fuad, and you're listening to my conversation with Rami Youssef. I want to backtrack for a second and go back a little bit in time again to when you were 11. And I think that that was, uh, you were 11 on 9-11. Is that about, right? Yeah, I think that was, yeah, 10 or 11. Yeah, 11. Yeah, I want to ask you about that particular um, event and how that changed you and how that changed for you the way people perceived you uh, in your school. Because the episode you did uh, around that subject was extremely powerful, I thought. And I wondered whether you had a similar experience and whether that was shaping for you in, in how you looked at yourself as an, as an Arab American. Um, yeah, it did. I mean, and I think every, you know, the way I like to describe the show is like, it's very, a lot of emotional facts. You know, I think we've obviously like dramatized a lot in order to, you know, weave in other characters and create something that I think, especially after the first season, you know, realized, okay, this is something that we want to be like a three to four season journey. And so we kind of put the characters through things that um, are not, you know, real, you know, I mean, in the sense of, you know, autobiographical, sure. but the things that are always really real to me are the, you know, emotional questions and feelings and conversations. And I think that, you know, the job of a show like this is to take it and um, turn it into something that, you know, can feel uh, connecting. So I, I think in terms of that particular episode, um, that one, you know, I mean, I, I used to have a walkie talkie when I was a kid, because my mom didn't want to do the cell phone bill. You know, like that, that, that was, you know, pure prime. I love that. You know, I love that. Uh, save money, you know, kind of thing. Save money, but still want, you know, the features. Um, and, you know, I used to have this nightmare about Osama bin Laden, you know, just feeling those things of being in, the, in, in a community where people look at you like you might have something to do with it. And then, I used to have these like really vivid nightmares. And then, yeah, in the episode, I mean, we essentially recreated that nightmare uh, to the point where it, you know, it looked like it looked in my head when I was mm -hmm. a kid. It was probably one of the most surreal moments I had uh, as a director to direct a scene that looked exactly like it looked in my head, like this thing that had haunted me for a really long time. And I remember seeing it and I was really creeped out when I saw it. And then I looked around when we were shooting it and everyone was really creeped out as well. Wow. And that, that was really interesting where I was like, oh, whoa, I'm kind of, I, I didn't tell anyone to feel what I'm feeling and they're all feeling what I'm feeling. Like people were like, wow. we gotta, we take a smoke break. Like people, I saw people smoking who I'd never even seen smoking like the whole time we were shooting. So it was like one of those, like, wow. you know, everyone's just like, wow. you know. Because they were all feeling it from their own perspectives, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think there was something there that, that yeah, just touched on, um, yeah, touched on something that that is, that continues to be raw, you know, for everybody um, from a lot of perspectives. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it, um, it was, it was a big formative part of the show um 
to, yeah, to get to do that. The reason I'm asking you about the 9-11 thing and, and the fact that you were 11 at that time, because I think that had you been an adult at 9-11, the questions you ask would not have necessarily been the same. Um, I think your the questions that come up to do with identity and religion are very much formed in the crucible of 9-11. I was an adult in 9-11 and I was living in the UK and I obviously was not in the US, but but the questions I was asking myself were were quite different. I want to I want to get into you know the 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 show and and you know I I I watched it when it first came out and I didn't get it. I just didn't understand it. I watched about four episodes and I just was like, what? I don't get it. And then when we were going to um, do our do our interview together, I said, okay, I have to do my research. I have to figure out, you know, who is this guy? What does it all mean? And I couldn't, I binged it. I could not put it down. It was just so smart and everything was in there. It was a, it was drama. It was, it made you cry, made you laugh. It made you question. It made, it just makes you wonder about so many different things. I'm, I'm curious, um, though, what, was different for you the first time you watched it versus like like to go from not getting it to getting it i think because i didn't watch enough of it the first time around right and i think it's a kind of show that's a slow burn yeah and i don't think you're gonna watch the first episode and be like yeah that's i get it i think it's something you have to um you have to invest time in because each character is so developed and each character is so well formed and you're rooting for certain people, and you're actually rooting for everyone, even when they're clearly unappealing or not very pleasant. And you're thinking, well, right. there's a silver lining in here somewhere. There's got to be a, a good part to this guy, right? Um, and and you just become really attached to these characters. Um, and for me, because I'm I'm you know I'm a I'm a different generation to you. For me, I was looking at this show so much from a a perspective of I found it fascinating the journey that Rami and the show goes through because I wonder whether this issue of religion and identity that you grapple with in the show is the from the fact that you grew up in a post 9-11 world. I wonder whether you would have had those same kinds of questions if you had grown up in a pre-9-11 world like I did where we were taught to just assimilate, get on with it, um, you know, not to make um, identity or religion such, su- such a big thing in terms of how to be in the society we're living in. Yes. And I wonder whether maybe that was the experience of your parents as opposed to yours, for example. Yeah, I think, I think that's a great observation. And I think even, you know, I think the, the reason I asked you too, yeah, why, like, I think you got at it really correctly. Like, I could understand it not feeling um, gripping to you initially because it's a different thing, right? It's exactly. like, it's, I mean, also, especially too, when it's like people talk about the show, like, you know, 
oh, this is a thing for Arabs and this is a thing for Muslims, you know, as if yeah. it's like, you know, essential, required, whatever. Like I, I'm very sympathetic <laughs> exactly. to feeling of, like feeling like you need to turn it on and then feel like, oh, wow, this is, you know, my thing and my food. And I think that yeah. that's, you know, kind of like the inescapability of marketing and the reality mm-hmm. of the lack of, you know, options at least in america exactly have been present i think obviously if you look and for now you know, yeah and that's for now and that's already changed since we've made the show and and you know we're it's something we're i am very invested in you know in in, in making a bunch of things that don't look like that uh that look just like different things um and i think that in this so so in this particular story for me um, as the show has happened and, and kind of, you know, what I've been really loving exploring with the character of Rami is, yeah, he has this identity crisis. Um, and I think it totally is because this event happens, uh, in such formative years, you know, so, so it's, it's really, you know, this it's, it's, it's like an embryo of sorts in terms of, you know, how you present to the world. If you're 10 or 11 years old, you're really sensitive. And I think that for a lot of people in, you know, the generation that I, you know, grew up in, uh, this is very much the case. And I think um, that's where we kind of connect on, on how this character is frayed. Um, and, and for me, the series has really been, you know, how do we take these, you know, big, questions he's having about who he is and which way he should go. Um, as the series goes on, that conversation kind of dies. Yeah. You know, it, it, it dies because those conversations kind of always have to die. And then you get to a core of just, well, how do you want, it's not who am I, but it's like, how do I want to be, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and what do I actually care about and just what am I going to do? And I think there is a bit of an ego death and an identity crisis death uh, for the Rami character. But I think above all, to me, this show more so than being um, for Arabs or about Arabs or for Muslims or about Muslims or any of that is, is a spiritual journey. Like I, I, I think it is about a character reconciling with, what he can see and what he can't see and living for his desires or having the spiritual path. And that's what I wanted to do when I made this show. I didn't really want to represent uh, Arabs or Muslims or anyone like that as much as I really set out with this very clear intention of, oh, I want to show in a way that doesn't feel fantastical, that doesn't feel sanitized, that doesn't feel safe, that doesn't feel uh, fake. Um, The relationship that someone has with what you know their relationship with god and i think that's why you know as we've made the show i've heard from people who are not only muslim but who are christian who are jewish who are hindu who you know are all figuring out their their way and their path with their faith path Mm -hmm. um you know an, an extreme resonance with them especially the ones who are struggling not the ones who are like you know already got it figured out i think if you already got it figured out like what's the point of the show sure you know you're like you're an idiot you know but i think it's very much like people who are like open to that idea of of that you know and i wonder actually whether you know because we always think that when we think of the show that 
you know, you, you're shining a spotlight on what it is to be a Muslim in, in the West. But I wonder whether you've had backlash from Muslims, actually, who think that you've, you shouldn't be portraying uh, uh, Muslims in this way or in any way, and it shouldn't be used, um, of, you know, in, in, in a comedic way at all. I wonder whether, have you had that kind of reaction? I, it's just something I thought of now as you were speaking. I would have, assu I'm assuming that most of your um, feedback has been positive, but I wonder actually whether you've had some like people saying, no, no, you shouldn't be doing that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, very much so. And, and I think the show for me, um, you know, I think when, when we were first putting it out, I always kind of said it's a, it's, 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 a, it's a show for families, but to, to watch in, in separate rooms, you know, because I think everyone comes at it from a different perspective. Yeah. Like, I don't think you want to watch this with your mom, but, you know, you should watch it and your mom should watch it. And, and I think it's, it, it's not about sensationalism. It's not about doing it in order to elicit a reaction, but there is the knowing that in doing it, there will be reactions. But the reason to do it is because I feel like what else is the point of a TV show, right? Because I, 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 if a TV show can't at least try or take the best swing or attempt to touch on things that are really difficult to do at that dinner table where all anyone wants to talk about is politics, you know, that, that to me, I felt almost like a sense of, of responsibility to say, I want to unearth these things that were always hard to talk about or that I know are hard to talk about and make them something that can be a reference point. So in knowing that so many of our communities uh, really believe in, in not airing their own dirty laundry, in hiding their sins, in hiding you know, a lot of where they are and only presenting in a certain way, uh, knowing that you know, there could be kind of um, a, a conversation opener that could almost feel safe where it's like, you know, you don't even need to fight about your own personal life. You could just fight about the, the Rami character, sure, you know, sure. or fight about what's happening on that show, you know, and, and, you know, I had a friend, uh, friends over the years be like, you know, the Imam at the mosque mentioned you, you know, during the khutbah and, and that's gone both ways. There's some people who mentioned it positive and some people mentioned it negative. <laughs> or mentioned me. Yeah. 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 And, and I'm, uh, all for it because it opens up conversations because then it's like, sure. oh, okay, so you don't like Rami. Well, why don't you like Rami? And then you can kind of get into, like no one's talking about cinematography when they say they don't like Rami. No one's talking about like, you know, editing or something. Sure. It's always like, you know, about the thing, yeah. you know? And so um, I've found all of that to be like a really beautiful part of making the show. Like, I, yeah. and, and it feels you know, um, yeah, it feels exciting. At what, what point in the making of the last three seasons, was there a pivotal moment for you where you thought, okay, we've, we've hit a nerve. We are, um, we are touching people. Um, at what point did, did you feel that? Was it maybe end of season two? I, I think I felt it, you know, right after the the first season I, I i think i felt you know just the um yeah that again that that discourse and i and i think someone uh someone sent me a uh, a screenshot from uh, a muslim dating app 
and the uh, bio of the guy was, um, I just want to get together and argue about the Rami show. <laughs> and, 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 and when I saw that, That's I was like, fantastic. oh, this is really cool. Like, this is like, yeah, you're in the zeitgeist. You're there. I was like, oh, this is cool. There's, there's something, there's something happening here, you know? When we come back, we'll dig into how Rami's life has changed both before and after the show's success. That's right after this break. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about our bonus episodes, available exclusively for subscribers. On each bonus episode, I take a deeper dive into my guests' industries, and I share some extra parts from our conversation. For example, actor and comedian Rami Youssef told me about his thoughts on cancel culture, and ex-anchor and now author Hala Gorani told me her thoughts on the future of journalism. All of these great stories are only available on our bonus episodes, so subscribe now to unlock this amazing extra content. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts by clicking the subscribe button or on our website and get instant access to all our bonus episodes with a two-week free trial. And now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Malak Fuad, and you're listening to my conversation with Rami Youssef. How have you dealt with with celebrity? How has it changed your 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 daily life? Um, are you are you playing the game as it's being asked of you, or are you making it fit your world and your life? I would say I'm very fortunate because you know by the time the show really took steam, and um, you know we got the the Golden Globe Award and we got uh, Emmy nominations and Peabody Award, you know, we got all these things and it was like right with lockdown and COVID. So it was amazing because I, I didn't have to go to any events. I didn't have to <laughs> go anywhere. I've only, I've been to like two events. It's amazing. So it has not affected me at all. Like I just hang out with my friends and yeah. and I'm just working. I mean, I, I, I work a lot, you know, so it's like, I mean, we not, while we were making, you know, three seasons of Rami, um, you know, I put a lot of energy into making the Mo Show happen, which, you know, writing that pilot was one of my favorite experiences and, and making, you know, that show happen at the same time took a lot of energy and we're working on an animated show as well with Amazon. So no, it's been the, the thing that's been great about it is just getting opportunities to make more stuff and work with more people. And, you know, I mean, the amount of people that between, you know, writers rooms for three shows now that we've made, we have so many first time writers, so many first time, you know, writers from all over the world, all different backgrounds, um, and, and, and people who are working in a lot of capacities, assistants on set, whatever. Um, a lot of people who, you know, I think back to that time where part of not knowing anyone who'd ever done anything on TV, uh, was where I lived, but also part of it was just, you know, I definitely didn't know any Arabs or Muslims who were doing it at least visibly. And I think what I've been really, um, wanting to cultivate in the ecosystem of how we make anything we make is in so many facets of production, hiring people who can just see it, you know, even if you're not on screen, you're watching it being shot, yeah. you know, and, and, and you're part of it. And that, that kind of, is, is going to grow, you know, and, and there's so many people who, yeah, we've had on set in, in even the smallest capacity that you're like, oh, you're going to be amazing. Like I can tell you're going to do some crazy shit. But I also think that by working across, across all the 
the jobs or the you're introducing all, all uh, the arab voice across so many uh, parts of the industry you're going to be doing for the arab voice what the hispanics have been doing in entertainment for the last 30 years it's going to become de facto the norm and it's going to become understandable and just part of the part of the ecosystem and not something that's different um but you are a pioneer now um in a few years it's going to become normal right that's the intention i guess totally i think i think the intention is that um that what we're fighting for is going to be just continued nuance and expression and not just the general seat at the table you know i think that 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 is is something that we can you know put behind us it's not going to be about scarcity it's truly going to just be about the art and the nuance of it and um and i think what can come from that too is not feeling like every piece of art um needs to be uh wholly representative or needs to be the flag for a people you know it can just be art for art's sake exactly because we've gotten the chance to you know have uh our image uh in 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 a modern media um you know ha- have a foundation and presumably your involvement in the movie poor things is like exactly what you're saying you're you're it's becoming more you're in the mainstream now you're just uh, an actor uh, among others uh without it being you know you with the uh, giving the arab perspective or the arab american perspective you're just an actor in an ensemble yeah and are we going to get another season of rami soon are you working on a fourth we're 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 working on it i think we're trying to figure out um some logistics to hopefully make it happen i i'm i'm feeling you know optimistic that we'll get to finish it i think that that would be the last season that we do and so we're just figuring out how to do it the right way um we're working on um second season of mo right now uh that writers room just started and what about stand up rami do you think you'll go back to stand up yeah i'm um I'm I'm shooting my second special uh like early fall. So, yeah. Why don't you come and do a session that. in Cairo? I think you'd be you'd have a huge audience in Cairo for a stand-up show. Yeah, I'm 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 really excited about trying to make that happen. So, it's something that I'm I'm figuring out, you know. That would be amazing. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out the the best way to make it happen, but I'm I'm very uh Yeah, very excited about trying to do that. What for you is 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 your happy your happy place? Are you happiest when you're um involved in a show like Rami where you're the writer, the actor, the director, where you're involved in every aspect of the show? Or do you like being in something like Poor Things where you're just, you know, you 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 come along, you're the actor, you're taking direction from someone else, you're part of a group, but you're not having to really carry the bag? or do you like to combine it all i mean clearly you're you're a guy who's juggling a lot of different things at at once do you like that mix i i think right now uh the answer isn't really clear to me because i think i'm i'm i feel like i'm still forming a lot of it uh and i i think the thing that i've identified as the part of the process that really excites me is and i think we all feel it you know we all have this like inspiration to do something or to think of something that that hits us and then we want to either go do it or write it down or you know you know that that feeling yeah and i think the more that i get to do everything that i'm doing the more that i'm able to see those feelings come up and then 
figure out a way to write them down and figure out a way to make them happen. And I think the process of doing that is my favorite part. And so depending on what that idea is, that, you know, dictates the role that I'll play in it. So, so it's more about the process of just making um, this, this unseen feeling uh, real and something that people can connect with. Mm -hmm. That's like addicting. And then, and then it becomes really fun because I know all these people who are just, amazingly talented and can do a lot of things that I can't do, uh, or there are things that I can help them with. And so we just keep kind of putting together these, you know, families of people who are making things, you know, yeah. uh, that, that I, I think are really, uh, you know, fun. Rami, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you for joining me today. And if you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review in your favorite podcast app. On our bonus episode for members, which comes out next week, I talk to Rami about how he views cancel culture in comedy and about his upcoming work. You can get this episode by signing up on our website and on Apple Podcasts. What I Did Next is brought to you from ANT Media. This episode was produced by myself and Shirag Desai. You can follow us for more on our website, Instagram, Twitter, and on LinkedIn. Just search for What I Did Next. We'll be back again in two weeks' time with a new guest. See you then.